Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. This program is brought to you by all of Community Services. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect, but as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here is Phyllis Amon. Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, presenting informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amon, your host. The show, which began in September of 2019, was formerly known as Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, and the library of all of the episodes can be found on the Voice America Empowerment Channel under the name Seniors Straight Talk. They can also be downloaded on popular podcast platforms. So, and the show is now also syndicated on the Voice America Influencers Channel. So please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. For those listeners who are in what I call SOS mode, stressed, overwhelmed, and stretched, watch out for my upcoming free Caregiver Distress Recovery Challenge, helping caregivers find a path to bringing much-needed self-care into their daily routine. It features Empathy, my registered trademark, which is also the basis of a self-care commitment letter and teaches strategies from my proprietary framework for self-care, self-kindness, self-compassion, and self-forgiveness. Strategies that will help you feel recharged and re-energized as you face life's challenges. Family members considering taking on the role of caregiver or those just beginning the caregiver journey can find valuable information in my course, A Caregiving Guide for Caregivers, The Basics. My latest book, Dignity and Respect, Are Our Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve? is available on Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats. The book addresses critical information about how we care for our elder citizens in our families, our communities, and our communities in nursing homes and assisted living residences. And I'm honored that Dr. Bill Thomas wrote the foreword for the book. So I hope you purchase a copy and encourage your friends and colleagues to do the same. Senior Straight Talk is proud of the collaborative partnership with the Pass It On Network, a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates and a member of the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Aging. Senior Straight Talk and Pass It On Network continue bringing listeners informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm proud to have Olive Community Services, a nonprofit organization in Fullerton, California, as a Senior Straight Talk sponsor. Olive Community Services is dedicated to providing culturally appropriate services to the diverse senior population. And I'd also like to welcome the newest sponsor to Senior Straight Talk, Active Pure Technology, an active patent technology that is the clean air solution for COVID pollution. Active Pure Technology delivers measurable and guaranteed results, giving you the peace of mind to know that you are providing a safe environment and the best protection for the people you care for, whether in your business or in your home. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest, who is known as the Good Lawyer. She is a professor, advisor to executives and entrepreneurs, an intellectual, intellectual property master, author, speaker, Wall Street lawyer, United Nations trainer, philanthropist, 
and a small business champion for over 22 years. Corporate executives hire her to train their employees to be strategic and legally mindful in their business practices. Entrepreneurs hire her to train and mentor them to build, protect, license, and sell their businesses for ultimate success. The United Nations hired her to instruct entrepreneurs in South America and the Caribbean on the intellectual property laws that impact their businesses. She was invited to present a TEDx talk in London and has spoken in business, law, and economic conferences, including Berlin, Cape Town, New York, and Paris. She is also a former Wall Street advisor and financial regulator and has served on the International Committee on Accountability of International Organizations to review the governance practices of the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank to ensure compliance standard. standards. She's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, USA Today, the New York Law Journal, Entrepreneur, Entrepreneur NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, and other public publications and media outlets. And she works to protect small businesses and small investors while requiring large corporations to do good. So it's with great pleasure that I introduce to you Dr. Liddy Lewis. I'm thrilled she could share her time with me today. So Dr. Louie, I am so thrilled, but I want to call you Dr. Liddy. I would prefer if you did, you know, you know, Dr. You know, Louis was my dad's name. <laughs> so, so I like to be known as just Dr. Liddy. I think um, um, my dad would say, thank you for having me on the show and go get him tiger. <laughs> I love that. So um, one of the reasons I'm really thrilled that you're here with me today is because the, the show, Senior Straight Talk, obviously is dedicated to uh, the, senior, uh, the senior demographic, so we shall say, right? And there it. are so many people in the upper years of their lives that are starting businesses. Mm. And so I thought what you bring to the conversation for them would be so pertinent. So how would you advise people um, who are starting businesses at any age, but especially people yeah. who, who may be in the elder years of their lives? Yeah. So I would say to my beautiful seniors to do it. And I say do it because if you remember when we were children, we just loved to play. We just wanted to be joyful, have a good time. And when we were told to come in <laughs> from hanging out in the backyard or the street corners where I used to hang out in Brooklyn, you know, we didn't want to go home. We wanted to keep playing because we were creating things. We were making things up. We were enjoying the art of thinking out loud and our creativity. And somewhere as we got older, we were taught to stop being creative, that we needed to focus on homework. We needed to learn long, long algebra. And I was like, oh, my God, this thing is killing me. But, you know, our parents met well. They wanted us to be well-rounded, be informative, be smart, do, do good things. And somewhere we stopped being creative. We stopped wanting to develop things because we needed to fall in line with what was expected of us, which is to basically become an employee for right. someone else, right? right? 
So, and we do that. We stay in the game of being an employee for decades because it's what we know. It's what we're comfortable. It's what we're encouraged to do. And I think when we get into our senior years, we're like, you know what? To heck with that. I am going to do the thing that brought me joy when I was a kid. I want to paint. I want to sew. I want to cook. I want to write. I want to dance. And could you build a business? around those things? And the answer is, yes, you can. Just look around all the dance studios, all the restaurants, you know, all the art galleries. And somehow we have disconnected from our creative love and we fell into the requirement of being an employee to build someone else's business. Mm. Now that we're in our lovely senior years, we're done with that, right? We have our own views, our own positions, our right. own ways of doing things, right? And we have our sense of self. So right. going back to our love, whatever that is, making a really cool hamburger, right? <laughs> whatever that is, we can now do it And we have the resources and the confidence to do it. So I say to my beautiful seniors, get it on, right? And start building that, start doing it because this is as the, this is our time to do it. You didn't, we didn't have the time before we have it now. So I say, let's start businesses. Well, it's interesting that you say that because of the businesses that are started, a good percentage of them are started by people that are mm-hmm. older adults, I'll say in their elderhood years. The elderhood, um, I love that. <laughs> 60 and above, right? And five years after businesses are started, um, I think it's um, I think it's 40%. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it was 40%. No, I'm sorry. 75% of those started by older adults are still operational Mm. five years later, as opposed to 25% of businesses that are started by younger adults. So Mm -hmm. it's so important for people to get the information that you have to offer. Right. Um, I'm glad you shared the numbers uh, with with the listeners, Phyllis, because people are shocked. I do training for the Small Business Administration, and the figures are actually worse. what oh. you realize, right? So it's a little, and, 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 and COVID had a little bit to do with it, we'll be honest, but I think the trend was always that we were heading towards larger and larger um, small businesses that were started by individuals not in their senior years. The vast majority was between 75 to 90% now. 90% of businesses that are started by non-seniors fail in five years. Wow. Are just gone. Um, So for the seniors, the reason the inverse works that the vast majority, right, 75% and above are still operating is because we find that our seniors know more. Right. They know more. They know how to do more. They have more resources. They have more people to call upon for support. And they don't hesitate to do that. Yeah, I was Whereas, just Yeah, they're right, right. They don't hesitate. There's, you know, I like to say there's no shame to my game. If I need right. help, I'm going to call you. Because right. if you're my friend, you're going to help. Right. That comes with 
age and a certainty that comes with age that you're valuable and the people that you surround yourself with, with will come to your support. When you're younger, most of your friends know as much as you do, which is not much. So, <laughs> they, can't, so they can't really be a resource to help you. And most of them, if you're younger, don't have a whole lot of money to help you. Right. So right, where right. is the funding, right, going to come from? Where the know-how isn't there because they haven't lived long enough to experience pain and the recovery from the pain. Right, right, right. right. They they don't have cash flow because they're working a job. So they right, have right. right, right. So they have a paycheck and it's all you know spent by the time they get paid. <laughs> so so that's a recipe for um the failure rate, right, in the US. Whereas the seniors is different. They're, they they do have resources. They do have smart friends. They do have experience. Uh, they do have financial wherewithal. So all the things that are missing from the younger entrepreneur exist in your senior entrepreneur. And I love it that more and more seniors are starting businesses. And they, they, they not only last beyond the traditional failure rate, they succeed. How about that? Right. Wow. They're not fledgling companies. They are successful companies. And, and that model is something that the SBA is looking into. So I work with the SBA quite a bit. And I'm like, let's have the seniors come in and tell us what they're doing. Let's do a study on that. Oh, Why that sounds thriving? great. Right. Why are they? They're thriving and it's not magic. Right. I tell them it's science, it's knowledge, it's support. I find that the seniors, when they start businesses, are so supportive of each other. Seriously, they don't view each other as competitors. Right. And that's because they've 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 passed that in their lives. Right. I mean, they they may they may still have a competitive spirit. Right. But they've passed having to compete against another person uh, to a large degree. The competition really is within themselves. I think Mm -hmm. they finally come to that that level of confidence that it's about what they want to become, what they Mm want to achieve, not so much about against another person. I I believe so. No, I think you're right about that because I I think there's a certain um, confidence that comes with age that you don't have in, in, in the younger generation, there's nothing that seniors need to prove because they've already proven it, right? right? right so right. so they don't hesitate in asking for more support wherever that support is needed. And they also usually have a cadre of colleagues that knows how to solve the problem that right. they're facing, right? right? They're right. not walking around in oblivion saying, how do I... <laughs> You know, they, you can Google it, but they actually have people that they can call. Hey, can you explain? Well, you know, and- it's interesting that you say that about Google because, you know, and, and I'm not the only person that has said this, I'm sure. Yes, you could find out a lot of information when you Google it. But the reality is it's very different when mm-hmm. you're talking with someone who mm-hmm. really has had that experience and can share it oh, yeah. with you and add to it. Um, different aspects about the experience. And so, I mean, I know I have had this happen to me several times. I don't know about you, but somebody, I, I, I had taken uh, up dance lessons, um, Ooh, cool. all of dance lessons uh, several years ago. And, um, 
every once in a while, either I'd get a new teacher or, you know, they, they'd say something to me down the road and I'd say, oh, you never told me that before. And they say, oh, yes, I did. Um, I said, but the way you said it this time was different or so you, I'd go to a different teacher for something else and they, they'd say it in a slightly different way. And you don't get that when you're reading something. Right. I mean, right. it's just, it's, it's just that, that communication mm-hmm. is just different. Um, right. I mean, uh, uh, it's very flat when you're reading something. So mm-hmm. um, it is what it is. There's no like room for looking at it from a different angle or somebody right. presenting right. it from a different, it's just the way it is. Right, right. To you. Right. And so the, you know, and what you're describing is something that happens in the medical field or uh, the medical professional life, right? They do that whole triage. And you're like, what the heck is a triage? Just three of you, right? Yes, there's three of us giving three different perspectives on the same thing to really get to the core of the answer. Right. Brilliant. Right, 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 right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Rather than you struggling to figure out what the heck are the other sides, what's the other right, angle right, that I need exactly. to look at, right? right. Like you bring in, you triage everything. Right. And that's something that I've, that I've been working with the SBA to do. Let's triage these businesses. You know, one of the concerns is going to be finance, right? Right. Right. You know, and whether that's taxes, in, you know, income, blah, 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 fill in the blank. You know, the other one is going to be marketing, Right. How are you reaching people and how are you converting people? And the other hidden one that people don't talk about, but it's it's the truth of it is going to be the legal issues in your business. Right. Right. From creating your business. That's law. Right. Right. From from protecting your creative ideas. That's intellectual property. My field. Right. All that creativity needs to be owned and protected by you. Right. And then the law comes in with regard to how you handle if you have employees, how you handle employees, how you deal with customers. Right. So the law is infused within all of it. And I think for seniors, they recognize recognize that because they've seen it right, right. they've position. lived it they've lived it they've lived it they've lived it so uh, we're going to take a short break and when we come back I want you to talk more about the intellectual property um, part of it which is how we met actually talking about intellectual property and I think it's important for people to know that it's more than it's more inclusive and expansive uh, then most people probably think, I know that's what I found out. So we'll be right back on Senior Straight Talk, sponsored by Active Pure Technology. Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. All of Community Services is a 501c3 that provides culturally appropriate services to seniors, their family, and the community. Through their interactive programs, Olive engages participants physically and mentally with a focus on building strength, mobility, and mental health. To learn more, get involved, or make a donation, visit olivecs.org. Together, let's live, learn, 
and thrive. You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the host at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now back to Senior Straight Talk. Welcome back to Senior Straight Talk, sponsored by Active Pure Technology. And I'm here with Dr. Liddy Louie, um, intellectual property extraordinaire attorney. And uh, who has many, many, many other talents and gifts. But before we went on break, we were talking about the fact that she's an intellectual property attorney. And that's actually how we met, talking about uh, some of the things that I do. And she asked me if I had an IP on them, and I don't. And and, And now the world knows. (laughs) Um, well, I do have an I do have my registered <laughs> trademark, so I own that one. <laughs> but we're working on it, so whoever. <laughs> but uh, no, but seriously speaking, though, um, you know, I thought it was important since we're talking about people in their businesses. Um, as a matter of fact, we we saw together this gal who had this beautiful artwork, and oh, yeah. um, you know, you said to her, "Do you have?" you know, an IP on this and she did not. And um, so many people probably aren't aware, aren't aware of the scope of what that, what that entails. So I I really wanted to have you here so you could talk about that as well. Oh, absolutely. So I want to begin by saying what I said earlier, which is that we're born being creative beings, right? right? We, we love color, we paint, you know, and, and Pablo Picasso said, every child is an artist. How does that happen? Right. Because because we love to be happy and on and that's within, I think, the vast majority of 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 human beings in the world. So our intellectual property is precisely that. And I want to say that the United States is the first country that ever recognized intellectual property, your ideas, your ideas your creativity, the essence of who you are as being worthy of being protected under law. Really? I didn't know. First country. Oh, wow. That's cool. So it's literally part of our U.S. Constitution. And 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 the reason the founding fathers were so strongly committed to legalizing and protecting our intellectual property, which is any creative original idea that you have, is because if you think about the history of the founding fathers in the United States, these were primarily men that came to the U.S. um, to work and send the proceeds of their fruits of their labor back to England. So they weren't allowed to keep the Ah. value, right, of what they created. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So if you think as to why the American Revolution really started, I mean, you know, they, they sent men and women to work the land and to send and this has nothing to do with slavery. Slavery comes later. Much later. Right? Much later. People, oh, it's about slaves. No, it's no. about the fact that England needed money. And now that they had secured America, purchased it from the Dutch, how were they going to work the land? They needed able-bodied people to work the land and bring the resources uh, back to England to increase right, their economy. 
So they gave free passage to those that found themselves in England or, or the controlled territories of England to come to America and to work and to send the fruits of their labor back to England. The challenge is the men that they sent were really smart men that recognized that they should mm. keep right? <laughs> the fruits of their labor, I their thoughts, it. their writings, right? Wow. Look at the speeches that Alexander Hamilton wrote. Look at Thomas Jefferson's essay. Oh Look at goodness. the inventions of Benjamin Franklin. They were required to send all that back to England. Wow. And at some point they realized amongst themselves, this is ours. We should have the right to keep it. And that is precisely what it says in the United States Constitution. So under the federal law, so not under the laws of the individual states, New York, Virginia, each state can has a law that says we protect your copyright, but that's a state law. The minute you cross over into another state, you're on federal land. That itty bitty tiny space between the states is federal law. Right. So what does that mean? It means you really want federal protection. And at the time they weren't writing the constitution of Virginia or the constitution of New Jersey, they were writing the constitution of the United States. And that language says very clearly that you are permitted by right to obtain a copyright and patent wow. on your original ideas. I love this. Right? I love this. So I had no idea that the history of this is really fascinating. And, it, and, and very few people realize how important that little wow. history fits into what we have today. So because of that, we as U.S. citizens, and even those that find them that are not citizens but find themselves on U.S. soil, you are entitled by federal law to protect your creativity. You are highly recommended <laughs> to protect yeah. your creativity because if someone else were to come along and look over your shoulder and see what you're doing and they copy what you're doing and they go out and they market it. So let's say you created a poem, you know, um, and, and, and if you don't copyright your poem and you might leave your notebook at the library, you go to the bathroom, someone takes a picture of the poem and don't think it doesn't happen. It happens a lot <laughs> that people are taking really? pictures of other people's stuff and they like the poem. If they register it before you do with the United States Copyright Office, by law, even though they didn't create it, they get to own that copyright. And I'll tell you why that is. So the law changed. So remember I said the U.S. Constitution says that you were entitled, right, to a copyright and patent of right. your original ideas. That is true. That, and that has not changed. In 2016, the U.S. changed its laws to get in, fit in line with all the rest of the countries that said all the rest of the countries were saying, we are a first to file state. The first person to run to the government, <laughs> right, to file their original ideas will get the protection of the copyright, even if you're not the first to create it. That was a huge change in our, in our history in the United States because it has always been that you are entitled to the fruits of your labor when it comes to creativity and originality and artistry. Right. But now the U.S. needed to 
step into line with the rest of the countries of the world that said sometimes it's just too difficult to figure out who really owns it, who really creates it, right? I, I did half of it, but then I put it away and then somebody else picked it, right? right so right, rather right. than get into that whole discussion, first to file, it's simple, it's clean, and really there's no argument. So what does that mean for us? Mm. One, keep creating. Right. Two, as soon as you have some final form, it doesn't have to be final, final, but close to final, you should protect that. Because now with the age of everyone taking a picture and uploading everything on social media, right? right, right. You lose that ownership because wow. it's floating around in social media. And you might say, look at this beautiful drawing I have, click, upload it on Facebook. If someone else likes that, takes a picture or screenshots, and they put it on a t-shirt, right? And they start selling it. And it happens that easily all the time. I have a client who creates, who designs t-shirts, designs art for t-shirts. Half of her business is chasing people down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who are inappropriately using her copyright to you know, create their own t-shirts. It's funny you say that because I'm thinking back to several years ago because I um, don't do it so much anymore, but design and make uh, my own jewelry necklaces primarily. And I had met a woman at a show many, many years ago who came up with a very unique design. As a matter of fact, I have one of those scarves. It was mm-hmm. a very, very, very unique design. And she was telling me the story about how mm-hmm. somebody took that design mm-hmm. and, and copyrighted it, I guess. Oh, yeah. no, it's, yeah. Is it called a copyright? It's for- a copyright. Yeah. Okay. Any, any original idea is a copyright. And, and what that simply means for us to remember is that copyright, if you break the word down, right? Right. It is, and you do it backwards, it's the right to copy. Right. So you're given a copyright. You're giving someone else the right to copy your material because you've already filed it. And if you you give someone a right to copy your material, you create what we call a license. Right. Right. Welcome to the revenue stream. Right. 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 (laughs) So it's a copyright. and, And it happens all the time that 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 we don't we don't think about it this way, right? We think that it's just a creative piece that I did. Look how beautiful, blah, blah, blah. I'll go sell it. You should, right? but before you sell it, that design that you created, you should copyright it so no one else can replicate that design and make an income stream from it. So if somebody does, then, well, I'm sure it's a costly process, and is a process to go after somebody if indeed they do do that. Correct. So I want to tell you, yes, it's. I won't say it's costly. I'll say if you do a cost-benefit analysis, it's completely worth the benefit. <laughs> again, right. And, I, and you know, and I'll tell you why. Um, um, the the copyright filing is not inexpensive. It's, it's less than a thousand dollars, right? So right. for less than a thousand dollars, you are protecting your original idea, and you file it one time. You're protecting your original idea for your entire lifetime. 
So Phyllis, if you get to live to be 125, <laughs> that one time payment <laughs> of $1,000 protects you until the lovely age, right? Of 125. And you can create as many licenses as you want on for that, 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 that $1,000 copyright, copyright. There, right? Okay. That, and I'm sure you can charge people 50 bucks. You can charge them 100 and you can charge forever for 100 right. until the age of 125. Then the law says, and we will continue to protect that under the law for 75 years after your death. Oh, cool. So if you live to 125, your children, your grandchildren, probably your great-grandchildren, right, right, 75 years after your death, are still gaining the benefits of that income stream for something that you paid a thousand bucks for, <laughs> you know, so is there so let me ask you this is there uh, is there um a limited number of things that you could file a copyright for like I've written books they're copyrighted right. um um I've written um you know I have this trademark that I that right. I trademark there's another one that I just filed for um, that I'm using as a title for my blog, but, uh, let's say I create a course or, mm -hmm. you know, several courses. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, is it apply for only like written material or artwork or, um, mm -hmm. a logo? I mean, or is it more all encompassing than that? So the way the copyright works, it's, it's, it's per thing. So if you create a song, it's per song. If you create a piece of jewelry, it's the design, right, of that jewelry. Um, if you create a book, it's per book. Right. <laughs> so remember, it's a thousand bucks and it's a, you know, your lifetime plus 75 years. So that's a great bargain. But what's required in terms of what would legitimately qualify to get a copyright? Not everything does. Right. right. So the law is very simple. And if you think about it, you're like, yeah, it makes sense. It has to be original. So you can't have copied somebody else's stuff. Right. 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 <laughs> right. right. So it has to be original from, you know, from the brain power, right. you know, in your head. Right. Then it has to be what we call fixed on a permanent plane. So it has to be something that you can feel, you can hold. It can't be something tangible, like that floats up in the air, which is why a song has to be written down. Uh -huh. right? You can sing a song. Right. But you also need to write the words down on a piece right. of paper right. and file the, the words on a written piece right. of paper. Or you can record it because an audio recording, right, as we're doing now, is a fixed form. It's fixed on a right. tape. Even though it's a digital tape, it has to be in a fixed form. So it's original and it's a fixed format. Um, and that's all that's required. That's it. So, but now uh, we were talking um, that that time, uh, the last time we saw mm -hmm. each other, which was um, at an in event, California, yeah, in California, and you were talking about a body of work. So, can right. you explain yeah. what what that would entail? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the, so our government is very generous and says, you, you Americans are so creative. So if you have a collection of things that fit together nicely, you're allowed to get a copyright for a collection, right? That is clearly visible that it's a collection. So what would be a collection? So there was one young lady we were talking that we were talking with who has these beautiful masks 
that she created, right? And when right. you look at these masks, masks, they're 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 face masks because of the right. you know the whole COVID thing. But they're but they're they're on silk. Oh, they they were they were embroidered. Phenomenal. They were they're gorgeous. Phenomenal, right? right. They're pieces of art. art they right? were art. Right. They were pieces yeah. of art. And then and she, she had them on clothing. She had I them mean, on it clothing. Was extraordinary. <laughs> it was extraordinary. Extraordinary. That and I told her we need to do a collection. Why a collection? Because rather than just file one, let's take a picture and file up and you can file up to uh, 10 in a collection. It's almost like a series, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the mass, it's the beauty, it's the same author. They're different colors, different images, but the but but there's enough similarity amongst the mass to say that it's a collection. Mm-hmm. So if you have a collection of things, collection of songs, collections of patterns for your jewelry, the collection of the mass, you know, um, collection of poems, right? You know, oh, if you okay. think of... And if and if you think of the you know wonderful poets that we've read, it's always it's called what a collection, collection. right? Right. What about uh, what about like an artist who has a particular style? Um, mm-hmm. Would that fall under uh, the kind? It, it depends on how. Dis- Distinctive the style is, right? So this is where originality becomes key. It becomes how original is it? And is it distinctive enough, separate enough from what is already in existence, mm-hmm. right? Because we get inspired by other by other people's work. We just see human beings, right? right. We, we see it, we're like, oh, our brain starts twirling and right. we come up with our own version. Right. Your own version of that is worthy of copyright. Uh-huh. Okay. Oftentimes people, you know, this is an interesting discussion because oftentimes people don't register their trademarks because rather their copyright, we'll talk about trademarks in a moment, but their copyright because they think what they've created is not valuable enough. Right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is interesting. That mm-hmm. our thoughts or ideas that flow from us, right. many people think are not worthy of a copyright because it's not good enough. And I say good enough then what? Right. Exactly. <laughs> what are you comparing it to? Right. And, and 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 I think it's important for people to understand that there's no comparison in the space. It's not that it has to be better than what Phyllis filed last week, right? Right, like, right, right? right. It, no one is there to judge it. You're yeah. the judge. Ah, interesting. So now what is the difference between a a copyright and a trademark? So the copyright we get is the right to copy your original ideas. That's copyright. Trademark, you know, is slightly different. Trademark is your mark in trade. So it's a symbol, a word, a phrase, a color. Thank you, T-Mobile with the magenta, right? right? That you specifically use in business. A copyright you don't have to use in business, right? It's original idea. You can simply have it around the house and you never sell it. I get it. Or perhaps you only, you give it away to a group, right? Right. It's still, you're, you, you are still the owner and the creator, but you don't have to exchange money for it. Right. Right. I say, please create a license because we all like an income stream, but you don't have to do that. Right. So, Trademark is different. It's specifically designed for the business realm. It is your mark, and it could be the same mark that you've copyrighted. And as a matter of fact, I tell people before you trademark, you copyright. Why do I say that? Well, mm-hmm. copyright, um, trademark is different. 
Your mark in business by law is only for 20 years. Copyright lasts your entire lifetime plus 75 years after your death. So you get a much better deal, right? (laughs) On the copyright side, right? The trademark, you must re-register like in the 18th year because it takes them about a year and a half to get to your filing. So you have to re-register every 18 and a half years because the the cutoff is 20 years and then it becomes open to other people to Uh re-register your own mark. Ah, so it's interesting <laughs> that you say that because I was at a uh, a presentation about uh, was before COVID, and this woman was saying she has a particular phrase or slogan, mm-hmm. tagline, whatever it is, or for her business, and she said she had heard of this before, but uh, or she had thought of it. And then looked it up and, and said it was taken or it was used once before. And she was talking to an attorney and the attorney said, well, let's look and see if that person renewed that trademark Correct. and they had not. Perfect. And so therefore now she has it. There you go. Yep. Vigilance. You must be vigilant. And that's the American right. law. You must be vigilant in protecting what you have. You must be vigilant in defending. Right what you have. So along with the protections comes the obligation on the part of the, on behalf of the person that owns the copyright or owns the trademark to tell other people, stop using Mm -hmm. my stuff. And I love that, you know, cut it out. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, or I'm happy to give you a license. Right. So the legal term is cease and desist, stop and don't do it again. So so let's say you found somebody is, was using your, let's say Mm -hmm. my word empathy because mm-hmm. I created a, a new word. It doesn't exist, right? It's, it's, I thought of it and I created it, right? Right. Um, suppose I did find that somebody was using it. How, what would I do? So one, you needed to have copywritten the word first, right? Because yeah. otherwise you don't have a leg to stand on, right? Or you could have trademarked the, the word. And I tell people to do both because copyrights your whole lifetime, right? right? Because of the timing issue. Um, failure to re-register a trademark, you lose right. it, right? There's right. nothing you can do, right? It, it's gone. So I tell folks to do both. So if you, after you've done your part, the vigilance, right, right. of doing your part, you send them a notice. And we call that notice a cease and desist letter, um, right. which is stop, don't do it again. Um, And in that letter, you're required to give your registration number of the thing that you say that you've copywritten or trademarked. Right. Right. You have to give them the U.S. registration number. Right. Right. Because then they're going to go and check and they go, oh, my God, I didn't realize. Sometimes they're like, oh, I didn't realize. Right. Right. Or they did realize they didn't think you'd realize. <laughs> it's more likely in my opinion, but okay, whatever. <laughs> right. So you have to give them notice to say season is this, you know, stop, don't do it again. And here's my registration number. And if you do not stop and you can give them a date today, tomorrow, next week, next month, if you do not stop by this date, I will file a copyright infringement or a trademark infringement, which simply means you went beyond, right? You're infringing, you went beyond right. what it is permitted for you to do. Now, here's the beauty of um, intellectual property law. It protects your ideas. It gives it to you for X number of years. 
What it also says is when you find someone has used your stuff, you have to give them notice, right? right. So that's the season and desist letter. Once you've done that, if they continue to do it after the date that you, after a reasonable time. So the law says 30 days is a reasonable time. So on the 31st day, you check again, they're still using it. Then the law says you can sue them. You can take them to court. You can send them a letter saying, I'm going to sue you. And this is what I am going to get after I sue you. One, I'm going to win because I have my registration stuff, right? I registered, right? Two, the law says I get every penny that you made by using my intellectual property without my permission times three. Oh, wow. We we call it trouble damages. That's to punish you because I told you to stop. (laughs) Maybe you didn't know that it was mine. Right, Uh right. But I told you to stop. I gave you 30 days and you still kept selling the stuff. Right. right? So now we punish you for that. And the famous case for that is... um, is Louis Vuitton. So Louis Vuitton is notorious for going after people that do all the fake <laughs> Louis Vuitton bags. Oh, wow. so I'm from New York. Everybody had a fake Louis Vuitton bag. I'm sorry, Mr. Louis <laughs> should have done a better <laughs> job. I think people were selling them on the street corners on Avenue of the Americas. Right, right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I think I saw them a few times. You saw them there's no doubt. There's no doubt they were there. Now, mind you, the flagship Louis Vuitton store sits on Fifth Avenue and 57th Street. So it was like two blocks away. There's no exactly. all the thing. It was it was the biggest it was ridiculous, in actually. It was, it was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but it happened all the time. And there was always like a crowd of people trying to get the Louis Vuitton bag from the guy that had the blanket on the sidewalk. That's and true. it was <laughs> But it's very, a very New York thing. It's a very New York thing. But here's what Louis Vuitton decided. Louis Vuitton decided, oh, you don't want to take us seriously? So this is what's going to happen. For every street corner Louis Vuitton seller, right, the police are now required to arrest you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Louis, right? Which is why you see these guys looking for the cops and then they'd roll up there. <laughs> they'd roll up the blanket with the fake Louis and they'd run the other way, right? And they had this whole signaling system between them to let you know where the cops oh, were. <laughs> it's just hysterical to watch. Just sit there with popcorn and watch this whole display. But Louis Vuitton was adamant and they used the law appropriately. And their view was, we're going to go after you. We're going to have the cops go after you because you're breaking the law. They're going to chase you down. They're going to put you in jail. We're going to prosecute you to the full extent. Then we're going to sue you for the to get the monetary value, right? Because putting people in jail stops them. But now you want your money, right? Right. And so so now we're going to find out who is manufacturing these fake Louis. That right. became Louis Vuitton. They should do a whole movie about this. So they figured out who was making all these fake Louis. And there were a ton of countries that were doing it, but China was by far the right. biggest right. offender. <laughs> so, so Louis Vuitton, the flagship, decided, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're not going to even let these bags get onto the streets of New York. We're going to go to the piers when these big tankers are coming in, right, with all of the products, right, from particular countries. And we're going to get the marshals to have them open up, right, these these containers. And we're going to go, and Louis Vuitton paid for all of this, right? 
And we're going to go in and we're going to have the federal marshals along with private police that they hired open up these containers, open up these barrels. And if there's Louis Vuitton stuff in there, they have a court, federal court order to burn it all. Oh, shoot. (laughs) You got to love it. So Louis Vuitton was like, we don't even want it to enter into American soil, burn it all. So there'd be these huge fires right on the piers in Brooklyn. Oh my goodness. You're like, what are they doing? They're burning fake Louis Vuitton bags. And because Louis's position is one, we're never going to get back this money, right? No, they weren't getting back the money. They're not going to get back the money, right? right? So our other option is to destroy the product. So this is what they do. So eventually you, it was harder and harder to get fake Louis. I never had one, by the way. It was never my thing. I could neither admit nor deny (laughs) whether I had a fake Louis, (laughs) fake Louis or not. But I can tell you that in Chinatown, which used to be like the main place to go. Right. (laughs) Right. Even to this day, if uh, if 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 you approach and and they'll say, you know, handbag, handbag, handbag. Right. right? You know, if you say, yes, Louis Vuitton, they step back and they shake their heads. It's just, it's just absolutely hysterical. And I decided to test this system. I'm like, yes, I want a Louis. Yes, I'd like a fake Louis. You know, right? okay, okay. See the guy in the yellow, you go, you follow him, right? So you go to the corner, there's a guy in a yellow jacket, you followed him two blocks around. You see the lady with the cane, you follow her. But then you follow this lady with the cane and then it takes you to a young kid. Or you go, we're going to go down to the subway, right? And I'm like, they're trying to mug me, right? This is not. This is not the hunt for the Louis Vuitton. They're trying to mug me. So you follow the kid down the subway. Behind the staircase of the subway is an older, you know, Chinese gentleman with two Louis. Which one you want? Right. (laughs) You know, and by the way, for those people listening, (laughs) this description is really how it happens. (laughs) It's happened to me. You know, now this is is a true story. Even though I I mean, I know you're telling the story, but being a New Yorker, this is the story. This is the story, right? They're selling it underneath the subway with, you know, the Asian gentleman. And then you're like, okay, okay. You have two choices. Which one do you want? Right. Well, how much? You know, $75 for Louis. Is this? And then, and then, and then I, I get silly. I'm like, is this real? <laughs> and they're like, what? What? All of a sudden the English gets really bad. So, <laughs> so Louis Vuitton decided rather than go through this whole scenario that I just went through for everybody, just burn it at the pier. Nobody right. has access to this fake product. So I have a question. Can you get them anymore? No, sir. Seriously, that's a serious question. Can you can you get, get the fake Louis and not go off anymore? Yeah, because now they just make them. They just make them in the basements of certain places. <laughs> they don't even come in on the ships anymore. I'm telling you, commerce in New York is amazing to me. You know, you there are craftsmen that can make identical Louis. They can't replicate the leather because the leather no, is right. So the good leather quality, is not, right, right. But so it looks kind of plastic. Right. <laughs> it looks kind of plasticky. But you know, the emblem of the LV is, is so perfect, right? It fools the eye until it starts rubbing off on your skin after a right. couple of right. weeks. Right? But you know, I will tell you this: I um, I know a um, 
he's a shoemaker, but he's mm-hmm. more than a shoemaker. He really is an artisan. Oh, for sure. And um, I, I won't even say where his shop is, mm-hmm. but people go and buy the skins that they want to have made mm. into handbags, and he will replicate them. Love it. Um, you know, they'll bring a picture of whatever handbag it is. I don't care if right. it's a canal, it, does, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. And if it's a snake skin or an alligator skin, they will go right. buy the skins. And so instead of $25,000, they'll pay him $5,000 and he can recreate it for them. Exactly. And here's, and here's the thing. That's a legitimate business as long as you don't put the name Chanel on it. <laughs> right? Oh, okay. Oh, right? So, that, so, so that's an important point to know. Yeah, because right. you have the, you're an artisan. You're allowed to create. That's your constitutional right. And right. you can create something that looks very similar to something else, but you can't put that other entities that you can't put Chanel on it. You can't put Louis Vuitton because it's one, it's not truthful. Right, right. 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 And two, no one denies you from practicing your craft as a craftsman. Right. right? You know, um, and, and, and people get confused sometimes and they're like, well, that means I can't make a nice bag. Of course you can, right. but you can't make an identical bag to a Louis or Chanel and then put the name Louis and Chanel right. on it. Right. When you, right. right. You know, then it goes too far, but I've seen a lot of beautiful bags with beautiful leather that looks like it could be a Louis or Chanel, but it's not, it doesn't have the name. Right. 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 You know, but it's beautiful craftsmanship. So, right. you know, so they're, they're artisans. Right. right. You know, and there's very nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I find this very, very interesting. And I hope the listeners do, too, because, like I said, I think people aren't aware, just like I wasn't aware when we had our conversation about really the breadth and the mm-hmm. scope of really what this encompasses. Right. In terms of uh, an intellectual property, people know the term intellectual property, mm-hmm. but I don't think they know. Uh, really what it encompasses and how to go about it. Right, right, right. And the other part of the intellectual property are the patents, right? And 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 the patent is a little more complicated because it has specific requirements. It's not just that it's an original idea. It's not just that you're using this mark in business. It has to be that you're, you've created something that is novel and they define novel as being new, different, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It also has to be something that's not obvious, right? That you Uh, really gave some thought before you came up with this. Right, right. 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 That you didn't look at it and said, oh, here's a pen. I'll make another pen, right? Right. That it's novel, right? That it really has to be something that advances, right? Um, There's a benefit to the use of it in society. So is a patent only for a product? No, it could be for an idea as well in terms of uh, a lot of people will sell the idea, sort of the blueprint and have somebody else make the product. Uh, I get it. Right. But that patent is with the idea. Again, it's the protection of the original ideas that you have. So a lot of patents are given for software, just the code writing alone. Right. You don't even know if the software works. Right. But just the the coding itself. You know, um, and and if you look at the way the it's the famous Samsung Apple, you know, patent infringement. Right. 
you know, they're both cell phones, but it was really about the design. Right. right? It wasn't right. even about how they work because they're on different right. systems. Right. But it was the designs were so they look so similar when you looked at it, right? The curved edges, you know, right. the, you know, the way the glass was and all of that. So mm-hmm. patents are big, big business in the world because these are new things that are being developed and put into existence that becomes part of our everyday life. Right. right? Look at computers. I remember right, when absolutely. I was, go- you know, people in the 60s were like, what the heck is a computer? Right? Oh, <laughs> and then, right? Now they're like, we can't live without now, a personal, right. you know, computer, if you think of it that way. And if you think about the car, I love the whole Henry Ford story. You know, people, you know, he was criticized. Who's going to want to drive yeah, this thing? He was, crit- he was laughed at. Actually. He was laughed at. Right. He was laughed at. Who wants to drive this thing? Right. Um, so, but these, so which is why I want everyone to, that can hear us and see us to remember that we are not limited in any way. The expanse of our ideas and our vision of how we see ourselves in the world becomes what we create. The right. thing that we need to, you know, and a lot of inventions come out of need. You, we couldn't do this if somebody walked up inventing, right, 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 right. <laughs> inventing right. something. And so, for us as creative beings, I believe this is Dr. Liddy's personal belief that we should honor the things that we that in our mind's eye that we want to create whether it's a song, a poem, a mass, um, furniture, clothing, software, right? A new way of thinking about things, a new way of discussing things, right? We were talking earlier about the whole triage. Why don't we do that for businesses? We do it for medicine. We get three people in, three experts in, right? right? To figure out what's wrong with this person. How do we fix, how do we relieve the pain? Bring in three, three entrepreneurs to figure out how to solve something. I think that's a brilliant thing. And it's a brilliant idea. And, and you should patent that idea. I should patent that idea. The, the business triage. You know what? As soon as we get off, you know, I'll, you a, I'll do a copyright tonight. I think, I think the computers are closed. I think I wish the, really I wish the computer, yeah, the, the, the federal computers shut down, I think, after 7 p.m. or something, because otherwise they'd be overwhelmed by the amount of. So, so of by the way, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you or find out more about this, um, can you, would you be able to share your contact information or how sure. they find out information sure. about doing such sure. a thing? Sure. What, what I've done on my website. So if you go to my website, which is drliddy.com and, um, so it's D-R-L-Y-D-I-E.com. Um, and you could also send a text to law, L-A-W to 26786, 26786. It'll take you to the same place if the tech guys did it right. <laughs> so, but what it'll take you to is, is my VIP gifts. So I have on my website some gifts that I want to give people because I because I think these gifts are important in our intellectual property process, wherever we are in the process. Um, um, one of those gifts that are there is my is my copyright ebook. And I, I'm giving it to folks um, for now, although everyone tells me I should 
charge people. I said, no, I want people to understand the importance of this. Right. And I want them to understand the importance that it's not a complicated thing to do. It requires specifics, but it's not a complicated thing to do. And I want them to understand why it's important. Oftentimes we don't do things um, partly because we don't know, but partly we don't understand how important it is. Right. So one of the gifts is a copyright um, uh, ebook that I've put together. One of the other gifts that you'll find on the website is that I call it the, the, the super non-disclosure agreement. And here for all my creative people, we love sharing our ideas. I applaud oh, you for that. I've done that. Right? <laughs> but then you never tell anyone, can you please sign that this is just between us? You're not going to take anything right. I say, right? And repeat it to everybody. Right. So, so I in New York have created a ton of contracts for business. And, and I think that one of the key things we can do as creative beings is tell people, please don't share this. I, I'm just sharing this with you. Um, and just ask them to sign off that I'm not going to share it. I'm not going to tell people about it. I'm not going to videotape it. So I have my, I'm giving away my non-disclosure super agreement because it's saved a lot of people. Oh, it's so I, I just I want to comment on that. So a few years ago, <clears throat> um, I was talking with someone who he, he created something uh, really terrific. Um, and um, I, I think he has it copyrighted. It's, it's a mm-hmm. program. It really is quite uh, smart. And um, in the process of conversation, we we were talking about how we could collaborate and whatever. So I came up with how we could expand this to business. Mm -hmm. And I came up with three or four different versions of um, uh, programs that we could create. And um, I sent them to him. (laughs) So great. (laughs) Yes. And a few months later, I received... um, you know, probably I was on some email list about they mm-hmm. had this program that he was doing this program with someone. Um, and sure enough, um, it was some of those, um, it was some of those uh, ideas that I had. And I, I mean, we had a conversation about it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, he told me we knew the guy from before, whatever, but I had the email and I had his, you know, the, all, all the information, of mm-hmm. course, there was nothing I could do about it. But recently, I learned from that experience And I do have an idea for something and I wanted to share it with somebody. And he said to me, um, I was a little reluctant. He said, I'll sign an NDA if you'd like. Yeah. And so that's what I did. So I learned from that experience. Right. And and I'm glad you learned from that experience. And I'm glad you shared that because oftentimes we're so excited about what we've come up with that we want to share it with everybody. Right. Right. And, and, And we don't realize, you know, and it's, you know, there's a biblical phrase that says there are wolves amongst the sheep. Right. Yeah. And we forget that all the time. All we see are sheep, right? All right, right, <laughs> right. Oh, these lovely sheep. They're so sweet. Right. They're wolves amongst the sheep. And and so therefore you don't know sometimes who's the wolf, right. who's the sheep, right? So you ask everyone to sign. And I have had, I've asked everybody to, sh- to, to sign things that I'm going to share with them. Um, and if someone objects or they hesitate, guess what I do? I said, you don't have to sign it. I also don't have to share. It. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's, it's very simple. <laughs> and I tell people if someone doesn't want to sign your non-disclosure, there's no argument. Right. Say, Thank okay. you. Okay. Thank you. Fine. Move on. Yeah. Right. Don't share. And if they say, "Well, what were you going to tell me?" Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that important, right? It's not that important, right? You know, and 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 I tell people you've got to practice what you're learning. 
If you're right. learning that your ideas are important and they're valuable, believe it. I have no reason to talk to Phyllis and, and not be truthful about right. it, right? right. So, so if someone does not want to sign a non-disclosure, there's no argument. Say thank right. you, but you also take your you pick up your marbles and you go home. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I don't even continue a discussion with someone, you know, because it becomes right. awkward. Right. 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 right? You, you can't value my originality enough to put your signature down. Right. 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 That, what does that tell me about how your view of me? Correct. You don't value me. So why would I want to continue talking to someone that does, that's that's shown me that they don't value right. what I think? And sometimes, and this is particular for the ladies that are listening, we, we we tend to do this as women more so than the guys, right? That right. if someone shows by their action, their words, their deeds, that they're not valuing you the way you want to be valued, that we have a hard time getting up and walking away. Correct. We do. Uh, and, and I don't, and I don't know if that comes from the way we were raised. We're like, oh, it's going to be nice to everybody. Oh, be polite, right. blah, 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 all that stuff. Oh, we're right. nurturers, we're carers. We're nurturers, we're carers. Excuses or their reasons, or maybe their tummy hurt. <laughs> their tummy hurts. And, and, you know, and there's research done on this. When they look at, on a gender level, how often are women versus men's intellectual property, whether it's a copyright, a, a trademark, or a patent um, infringed upon where someone else uses it. And the numbers are really staggering that the vast majority, I'm going to say close to about two-thirds, right? So close to 70% of women surrender their intellectual property, give it away wow. to other people. Wow, that is really something. Right? Men, barely 30, 28 something percent. Wow. They lock down their creativity, their original ideas. If you don't want to sign, they're not going to show it to you. They don't even argue with you, which is the right. same thing I'm telling us to do. But, and I don't know why that is, and it's worthy of more study as to why women will give away hmm. their creativity. To someone that clearly says, I'm not going to sign the non-disclosure, you, is it because we want to keep being polite? Right. We don't want to we get want acceptance. We, we want acceptance, you know, all that. But it's hurting us because what happens is that most women, 70%, will go ahead and share it. Right. Right. And then when they find out weeks later, months later, years later, that the idea that they shared with someone is now on a billboard or is being sold in a store. And they're like, I had this idea, but I didn't do anything. And, and then they don't even think back to when did they give away right. this valuable thing. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and, and I think we don't want to accept that part of the reason that we give away are valuable things is because part of us doesn't believe that we are valuable. valuable. I was just going to say. You were going to say that, right? That right. We're, that, that we're, you know, and, and, and that's okay if that's what's going on. We simply need to recognize it and begin working towards right. accepting our value. And whether right. that's getting with a group of friends or family members or going to values anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> 
but we really, really have to turn that around. Because hey, I, I just think, came up with an idea for a name of that group, but I'm not sharing it. They're not going to share very good. You should ask for a non-disclosure from all the listeners. <laughs> when we get, when we, when we finish, I'll, I'll, when we finish, I'll, I'll ask we finish. you to sign an NDA. If you don't want to sign one, okay, that's okay. That's okay. That's fine too. But but people should have no problem signing NDAs. And, right. No. And, that's, and that should be a key indicator for us. Right. If someone right. says they're not going to sign it, oh, or leave it with me, I'll sign it later, but go ahead and keep talking. No, right? absolutely not. No. <laughs> and say, great, I'll leave it with you. Call me when you signed it. Send me right. a copy when you signed it. And, and, and I think at that point, you know, someone, someone I had a conversation with about this said, well, what do you do then if they do say, you know, leave it with me, I'll, I'll have my people, blah, 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 look it over and blah, 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 and I'll sign it tomorrow. Great. Thank you so much. Can you give me a call or send me a text when you've signed it and send me a copy right. and then change the discussion. You don't have to get up and leave. Right. Change right. the discussion. Right. Right. Start talking about something else. And if they come back to, oh, your original idea, you were going to share it with me. I, absolutely. I will share it with you as soon as I have that signed copy right. back from you. Right. So how do you like this wine? Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think and, then, and that's a way of, of, of letting people know that you're serious. And like you said, they will take you more serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they see that you are serious mm-hmm. and that you are valuing your own idea, mm-hmm. they will take you more seriously. And they'll take other women more seriously, you know. And that's that's an important point. You know, I, you know, part of the work when I was in law school, the only free <laughs> legal work that we were allowed to do before getting our law degrees was to work with victim services. So these are usually women or girls that have been abused in right. some way, right? And you get, and we get to use our little legal skills that we just learned yesterday mm-hmm. to go and help these women. Right. But I loved it because it was an opportunity to be in court and it was an opportunity to help women to right. figure out, you know, myself, how good am I at this? Where am I falling down? I need to do more work. And the women that we were helping, it shocked me how low self-esteem Mm-hmm. they had right it, it was i i was and the other you know you know student lawyers with me we all had the same view they have no self right they have no sense of self-worth right you right. know and we actually spoke to the judge about it when we were done and said you know maybe there should be something about in the courts um about helping women have recognizing their self-worth right right and and teaching them how it comes up and how do you protect it and why it's valuable and so on and you know the judge was very nice and he said there was there was nothing like that in the court system if we'd like to create it and the and the young and we did we created a training um for that i don't know if it's still around but we 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 created it and i i taught in the first couple of sessions and then i graduated but there was a lot of deep rooted in the women, a lack of self-esteem. Absolutely. Which is what, what perpetuates remaining in that situation. Situation. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it reminds me of something, um, you know, just like when somebody appears who has some kind of addiction mm-hmm. and they recommend that they have some kind of, um, program for Mm -hmm. to help them with their addiction or even Mm -hmm. anger management or something like that so Mm -hmm. so there should be something for women in that situation because that is what perpetuates in that situation so it's really no different than anything else but those other areas are mostly men 
So right. there you go again. There we go again, which is why intellectual property, you know, I, you know, when I teach, I tell the ladies, this is for you. Right. Right. This is for you. This is a law for you. Women are so creative. We can make something out of nothing. Right. Correct. And, it's, <laughs> and it's fabulous. You know, a, right. you know an outfit, food, right. know, exactly. a crummy apartment. You know, we can make something out of completely nothing. And, and, and I think that's our gift that we should teach our children or godchildren in my case, I have 10 godchildren, but no actual children of my own wasn't my gift, but I got 10 beautiful godchildren. You know, I can't ask for anything better. Um, And, and, and it's something that we have to teach the girls as I call Hmm. them. Right. And sometimes the women and sometimes the women that you are valuable and it shows up in intellectual property. I love that. And I, I mean, you have given me and the listeners, I'm sure, is such a different view because I always thought of intellectual property law as dull and boring. <laughs> this has been, at least for me, eye-opening and fantastic. And I never realized how important this is, especially for women. I mean, mm-hmm. this is really huge. Mm-hmm. I, I really see this as huge. I, I mean, I, I can't thank you enough. This has really been terrific. Been my pleasure. Thanks so much. And um, so I hope you'll join me on the next episode of Senior Straight Talk, sponsored by Active Pure Technology, um, bringing conversations for the senior years of our lives. And I'm Phyllis Amon signing off. And please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your host, Phyllis Amon, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms.